jerky. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Pod Jerky. I am your host, Tom. And on today's episode, we are going to take another episode from our sister podcast, The Northern Touch Show. And I am joined by Thrust OG, the host of The Northern Touch Show as well. Today, we were lucky enough to be joined by Sportsnet anchor David Amber. David has actually been on multiple networks as ESPN. He's been on TSN. He's been on Sportsnet. He's done a lot of sports coverage in the sports world, so we were lucky enough to get to interview him, and we are going to play that interview in its entirety coming right up. Of course, don't forget to follow Pod Jerky on Twitter and Instagram at Pod Jerky. You can also find us on Linktree, that's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Pod Jerky, and our bite size, that's B-Y-T-E-S-I-Z-E dot M-E forward slash Pod Jerky. Without further ado, let's get right into the interview. But yeah, Tom, 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 me, both me and both me and um, Tom are avid um, sports guys. I don't know if you ever, I just even told you, I wanted to be, a lot of people know me for music, for rapping. My first love was always hockey. Mm. Since, since my mother came, when she came here in 67, I didn't know where I got her from, uh, but she was actually a Leaf fan. Oh, yeah. She came, she fell in love with the game. Yeah. So from she the time I was coming, she, she, she saw the last then? one, and that's when she, uh, that's exactly what it is. It's like with the Raptors and basketball, how the generation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so she was one of those. She came, uh, first one in my family, and I was born. I'm, I'm like you. We the same vintage. We don't give her a time, but we the same vintage. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, so by the, by the early 70s when I came, I was already ahead of my blood. I, I, the first 10 years of my life, you had to drive me home to watch a hockey game. I never miss hockey night in Canada. Yeah. So, so I always wanted to be a goalie. Tom, oh, yeah. what do you want to be? Tom, I know you're a hockey fan. What's up with you, Tom? Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm all sports. Doesn't matter to me. I mean, hockey, baseball, the Olympics right now are just killing it. Uh, yeah. Love watching it all. So, any you sports like the that's UFC on. Too, right? You like the UFC a lot. Too. A big, big uh, martial arts fan. Yeah. Martial yeah. arts is, is really good. Well, yeah. So, that was like a thing. I, I actually always want, and I've done a lot of radio too. I don't know if you knew that, David. So I did a lot of college. I saw you went, uh, I read it. I read a bit about you. I knew some things, but it's always good to do your research. You took this very professional. So I know you have that McGill background. And yeah. um, one of the first questions I wanted to ask you, I had a question I wanted to ask you initially, which I'm going to get to. Tom knows about your family and doing the playoffs and how it is, because mm-hmm. I was curious about the energy it takes to do it. But um, after I read up about you, it was really interesting to see your background and, um, I know where you grew up. We grew up, me and him grew up in the same man. We were annex kids. We kind of grew up in the same man area, which is kind of cool. We were finding that a few weeks ago. But I didn't know about your dad and your parents. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Like about the influence your dad had, how it led to you actually becoming a journalist. That's so interesting. Awesome, man. Yeah. So my dad, my dad grew up in Montreal. Well, he grew up in Montreal until he was about eight years old and they moved to California. So he grew up in Los Angeles. Ah. Back to Canada. And uh, and he met my mom at university at Queens University. And then, where did he grow up in Montreal? So I'd stop you. I know a bit of Montreal. So uh, Montreal. He grew up in. Um, uh, I know LaSalle. I know little uh, little Burgundy, Cote d'Anez. I know this downtown. See, I know a little Montreal. Yeah, it was in Montreal proper. NDG. 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 Yeah, Cote d'Anez. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You see, hey, my Montreal, because my Montreal people, they'd be so mad at me. It's a national show, so. We get- <laughs> 
you know, I got to make sure. I know we're from Toronto, but one thing we're from Toronto, I always I have people from cross Canada, so I always make sure we talk to me, try to make it. Like you and journalists, you do that too. Yeah. Right? You got to yeah. keep it national. Yeah, and so he grew up in Montreal, then uh, ended up meeting my mom at Queen City and got into broadcast journalism and, and well, actually print journalism. He, he went out to Africa. Uh, my mom, they got married in Africa. Both my sisters were born. Really? We're Africa. in Africa. That's awesome. One in Ghana and one in Zaire, and he was uh, working for Reuters. As so a did writer. you guys as, as kids get to like, travel there is that part of your youth did you go back did they take you there when you were like pre-teenagers or anything our travel was pretty limited when i was a kid we we did like trips to the laurentian little things like i actually got to california and to jamaica my mom's from jamaica so i got to see her family Oh. Got to California to see my dad's family. We never got to Africa. I've been my wife now. It's funny. Her dad lives in South Africa, so I actually yeah. see South Africa. It's um, beautiful there, man. It looks so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. Um, but my sister, one of my sisters, has been back to, to Zaire. She's a writer. She actually did a whole story on child brides in Africa for uh, uh, Essence magazine. Really well, with some awards. But, uh, wow, that's a big yeah. thing. No, yeah. So yeah, journalism's in the family. So yeah, my dad was a journalist out in Africa and then he came to Canada and he got into broadcast journalism. He was, uh, he ended up, moved up the ranks and his, his highest job was, uh, he was the executive producer of news specials for BC. So it'd be the Olympics and the elections and the referendums, the Pope visit and the royal wedding. He did all those specialty shows. So I got it. I got a little taste of what it was like to, to see. Did he do class. that like Mandela when Mandela came? He must have been. Yeah. That he was did, crazy. Yeah. That's Queens Park. You remember that? When Nelson Mandela came? Yeah, he did, he did all sorts of cool stuff like that. So I got exposed to that and said, I want to get into journalism. And that was sort of what got me. Yeah, it's in the family blood. Yeah, I always wondered, I seen you and how you position yourself. And you know, it's got to be like, it's, and you just seem grounded. And, and you know what it is too, you know, just, just talking about brothers, it's good to see, because I had the same background too. It's really interesting when you see you have that, when we had that family concept and the family rooting, like how far you could take it. Because a lot of people, you know, don't have it. And I find the, the common root is a lot of us, man. You know, we had Kwame on. We mm-hmm. had to get his his documentary and everything. I grew up with Kwame's too. Kwame and a lot of people have that same common core. And it's just that family thing in the home, man. So it's good to see. Uh, Tom, so, you have any questions? I know, Tom, I know you had some questions. I want to leave you out, man. Did You you had a, a few things you wanted to ask, I know. Well, you're, you're into, into yeah, yeah, well, you're into the yeah. broadcasting thing and um, like you're on Sports Center. I've been watching you for a long time. Like I watched TSN, ESPN. Uh, Sportsnet, whatever sports channels there are, I'm watching it. Nice. Uh, and I've seen you on on multiple shows. Um, where, how did you get into the whole sports uh, aspect of it in um, each of the, these uh, different uh, channels that are on? Yeah, well, I guess you can look at it two ways. I got a, I've been uh, accepted in a lot of places, or I've been rejected by a lot of places. <laughs> a little bit of both. <laughs> Uh, so my, my, I went to Syracuse University. I went to McGill University, the undergrad at Syracuse University and got into their masters in broadcast shooting out tapes left and right everywhere and faced a lot of rejection. It's hard to get a foot in the door and get on that ladder. But finally, after almost a year of sending out tapes to all these little U.S. towns, Bangor, Maine, Joplin, Missouri, Jackson, Mississippi, Redding, California, getting rejection, rejection, rejection. Uh, I started driving around Ontario. Finally ended up getting a job in Sault Ste. Marie, a godsend. Yeah. I was living in my parents' house. I wasn't sure how this was going to ever pan out for me. Uh, but I got that first on-air opportunity. I was very fortunate for that. It was in Marie when Joel Thornton was there in his uh, last season before he got drafted first overall by Boston. And then I went to, um, I was lucky enough to get a job at TSN Calgary. After nine months in the Sioux, I kept, you know, I was sending out tapes and mm-hmm. sort of sniffing around. And uh, Keith Pelly one day called me up and was running TSN at the time. And he had a job to be the Calgary correspondent for TSN. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, I'm going to wow. TSN. 
And then from TSN, I came into Toronto to, to work, uh, host shows in Toronto for TSN. And then I got an opportunity at ESPN and it was, it was, you know, what's funny, Tom, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to take it or not. I just gotten married. I got married in September. I got this job offer in early December or late November. I was kind of like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And my wife and I talked about, talked about, talked about, and we finally figured it's too good an opportunity. So we moved down to Connecticut, which was a big move, but exciting. And I was with ESPN for eight years. Uh, but my wife during that eight years, wanted to come back for her job in Toronto. So she'd been commuting back and forth, back and forth, and it was just too much. So I ended up moving back to Toronto. Uh, I was a reporter for ESPN for a few years in Toronto, but then I was on flights all the time. So then I went from, from ESPN to uh, NHL Network and uh, Hockey Night Canada. And then, you know, once the right shifted over from DC to Sportsnet, I was lucky enough to land back uh, with Hockey Night Canada with Sportsnet, and, and that's where we are today. And you took the torch. You you came in at like a pivotal change of the baton. It's like when you run the relay, man. You were the last. It's like because from Rob uh, McLean to you, right? That that's like it's just the passing the baton and that air. It's like a it was a good thing, but it was like a hard thing too. It must have been a, like your emotions must have been kind of because I knew you grew up growing up being a journalist and watching his contribution to the game and the kind of human being he is. You know what I mean? That must have been so. Like just, I don't even know. You maybe you could explain what it was like, just that transition and yeah. what was how. I know he was graceful to. I don't know him as a man, but I can tell just the energy. He must have been so graceful to you, and must have been very helpful. Ron's been nothing but uh, a great friend and a great man. So uh, welcoming. You know, he got he um, got brought back in after George Strombolopoulos did the hosting for a couple of years, and you know, Ron came back to his rightful spot and. I was lucky enough to sort of uh, be able to jump in after him because he flies out on Saturday nights to his hometown hockey gigs on Sunday. And he was has been nothing but uh, such a helpful friend through the whole process. And it's great. And I've learned a lot as a broadcaster from him. He connects with the audience in a way that yeah. so few yeah. broadcasters do. And uh, it's been great. It's been it's fun. And, and in the last couple of years, we've actually been in shows together, you know, during the yeah. pandemic. So cause he hasn't exactly. been flying out for hometown hockey. So to sit there and, and, and watch Ron sort of lead the show and throw it up to, to, to me and Elliot or me and Berkey or whoever I'm working with. Uh, it's been a lot of fun and we have a lot of laughs. Yes, Ron is a gracious and great guy. And uh, it, it's been great because he, he's an icon, right? He's a guy I grew up watching. And yeah. sit there sort of, you know, shoulder to shoulder with him is kind of a pinch me moment. He's on like the, uh, was it, if we had a Canadian Mount Rushmore, it would be like Anne Murray, Trudeau, Ron McLean. You know what I'm saying? Just some Gretzky. I probably stop there. You know what I mean? Like it's I just I never cool. thought of it on the spot. See, when you're a rapper, you can do stuff like that. You but walk yeah, on, you walk on King I Street. More iconic. And then yeah. there's some other people gonna have to edge on we'll forget. You might have put the grass up there. You gotta put some other people <laughs> really easy. I don't know if you get the sports, but you know what I mean. And Benny Alexiak will be there. Yeah, when you're talking about a uh, certainly a sports uh, broadcast. Michael J. Fox, uh this yeah. cool. <laughs> man. Ron yeah. Is yeah, he's amazing, man. He did. It's just so few people can just connect with everybody, no matter what the age is. And you see that with him, man. especially the young people. He's so like, you can't know word for it, man. Just think, you know, we're just lucky to have him. We're so lucky to have him share time with people like that. You know that, man. Absolutely. Right. Um, speaking, you, you said something. Sorry, Tom, but this isn't just because you might ask, because I have a good, I grew up knowing Strombo. I don't know if I'm in the line of Strombo, the master tease. And I saw that transition from when he kind of have a tie with him for much music, for that much music era, right? Mm-hmm. And then when he went over to things. So that was in that same time too. Do you have a good relationship with Strombo? Can you tell us something about like you guys' relationship and yeah, and yeah, where I mean, he's I at? when last you talked to him? I haven't seen him for a minute. How's he doing? 
I don't know Stromo nearly as no. well, um, but I have a friendly relationship with him. And it's funny, uh, you know, I've had drinks with him before and I ran into him, I don't know, during this pandemic, I ran into him on Queen Street, just walking. You did? Yeah, I'd had a nice hello and he's doing well. I mean, such a great interviewer and such an icon there. Again, someone who's done so much and huge following. But yeah, I, I really like George, a, a great guy. Uh, and, you know, when he was at Hockey Night, I was out in the field. So we were never in studio together, but he'd often uh, sort of thrown to me. Yeah, I know it was the... in between that time. That's why I was wondering. I did, it's like I said, it's behind the scenes, right? Yeah. I just wanted to know if you really know, because he's an awesome human being, man. That yeah. dude, that dude is incredible, man. And his knowledge of everything is just uncanny. He, like, he's got a great manner to him as well. And mm-hmm. he totally disarms people he's interviewing, gets yeah. the most of them. Some of the yeah. best interviews I've seen have been... Uh, he's him and Tony Young, man. Him and Master T, man. Those two, mm. when they sat down, man, to do interviews, oh my gosh, man. People just open up, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, and uh, Tom, you got to think, we can get into the sports that there's so much to talk about. We were just saying yesterday, of all the times, that's why you don't, you know, of all the times to do interview, we picked the right day because yesterday... We had a bunch. The Olympics is going on. Uh, Tom, I'm going to let you lead this up. I've been well, well, there's so that. much going on in the sports world right now. I mean, uh, I think I'm going to stick with hockey first off is what do you think about the Leafs offseason moves? I mean, they they brought in uh, Mrazek and uh, they brought in a couple of players. Do you think that they've done enough to push over that hump? Well, time will tell. I mean, when you say push over the hump, you just got to, you know, if you're the Leafs, a playoff run hasn't happened. There was a lot of disappointment about how this fan base is agitated right now and upset. And I'm sure internally, there's a lot of pressure now on this group, this core group. Man. We're going through this again, uh, the, the core four. And, and this might be it. The, to me, this is it. This is sort of their last kick at the can. And it's not going to be easy because when you look at that Atlantic division, it's going to go back to the traditional division races. Tampa Bay, we know all about Tampa Bay, two-time defending champs. Florida is going to be much improved. They've had some great offseason. Uh, we saw Montreal, even though Shea Weber's out, uh, even though uh, Price might start uh, and, and play a little bit less, he's injured. We saw what Montreal's capable of. And then Winnipeg. Ottawa's going to come in off. It's going to be a tough run, guys, for the Leafs. And I think this is sort of their last kick at the can with this core four. Were they able to make all the moves they wanted to? Absolutely not. And and what's really held the Leafs back is the fact, remember, they're paying three guys $11 million. And the idea pre-pandemic was that the salary cap would go from 81.5 to 84 to 86, up to $90 million. Mm-hmm. And we're stuck in a flat cap of 81.5. So $11 million deals, if there's a $90 million cap, isn't that big a deal. But when it's an 81.5 flat cap, Having three mil, eight, uh, three eleven million dollar guys is unheard of. And when you look at the final, I'll leave you with this: when you look at the final fourteen this year, only one player, Carey Price, made more than million dollars. So the blueprint just hasn't been there to have three, three incredibly high paid players and have success. Maybe the Leafs can break that mold. But what ends up happening, and we saw it this offseason, Zach weren't able to sign Zach Bogosian. They weren't able to go and land a big fish per se. Freddie Anderson also had to leave, so they just didn't have the money to go around. Um, do they have the talent? Absolutely. They need things to, to come together, though. And, and I guess that'll be the hope during the regulars. This team has to, to sort of its last kick if they can take it uh, very seriously, which, you know, they will and have great success or else something big's going to happen. I feel like it's a mental thing with them because the, the regular season, they, they play rather well. And then they hit the playoffs. And like you said, since 2004, they haven't made it past the first round. And they up, they were up three to one on Montreal in that series and then ended up losing that series. So there was, a lot, a, of, there was a lot of there was a lot of coaching thing. There was a lot of things. They shouldn't have lost that, man. That was so winnable. And that's why the fans are thing. That's just my opinion. And the worst thing about it is 
they didn't take any ownership. I never heard nothing in the media after that. It was like a bunch of excuses. They should have just said, you know what? We dropped the ball. We didn't know how this happened. We coming back next year. But they didn't, nobody said none of that. Well, nobody said, I didn't hear, I didn't hear, media, I didn't hear anything after. It's, it's amazing because, because look at it, man. The, the player that was scored the most amount of points that was playing the ball wasn't even getting the ice time. That there's so many things that just was so weird in the series. Anyways, I get it. It's the pressure. The pressure got to them. It's like when you see Tom Brady against a uh, homie KC. You look at it on paper, but the pressure is real, man. And anyone who plays sports or does anything when you're in front of the, it's a different thing, right? I guess that's what it is. I think Thomas hit it on the head, though. There is a psychology behind this as well, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. it's not to excuse the least, but I think something happened there. I think when you're the Montreal Canadiens and you're 18th during the regular season, you were the last team to qualify for the playoffs. You go into the playoffs against the top-seeded Leafs who had 18 more points than you in the regular season. And you're kind of playing with, you know, you're playing with the the, the house's money. The the year before Montreal was the 12th seed versus Pittsburgh and knocked them out. And maybe Pittsburgh was feeling the same pressure of like, we need to do something here against the team we're supposed to. Uh, Toronto hasn't gotten past that psychological hurdle. That's something they have to be concerned about. And, you know, and I'm not making excuses for them, Chris, because I know you don't want to hear any of them. Uh, you know, Tavares was out. Felino was hurt. They did have injuries. Every but Tavares, season. Tavares, and I didn't, that was, that was major. Yeah, that was that, so major mm. and nobody wanted that. You know what I mean? But you know what it is to kind of hurt? Like, look how they, look at the last three games, because they bounced back from Tavares really well. Yes. That's why I said it should have, that was the thing. If they would have just went down after Tavares, I would, nobody, I don't think anybody would say anything. But you actually played. You stepped up your game the next couple of games. And then you just a little one goal, two games. Oh, come on, man. You can't lose like that, man. You can't. Yeah, but-, but when you've been there before, it's like you got the talent, the firepower. Where's the fire? I, I've watched this team since 1972, man. It's hard. It hurts, man. It hurts because you've seen it so many times. You see, well, it's like an act going on a play. You know you're, I mean? you're right, Chris. And I'm not making an excuse because here's yeah. the thing. You're up 3-1 in the series. You have games five and seven at home. And you need to close out a team you're supposed to close out. And that's the difference between what we're seeing in the last handful of years. And, and it was a different team because they played us the regular season. So that's what you know, too. You guys could have done You guys did this all season. Mm-hmm. This was, and that's what would have hurt, too. Everybody bought it and they showed it through the regs. This was yeah. a, this team actually was a better Leafs team and it was a different team. I've seen it all season. I watch it, watch it. You know what I mean? You can yeah. see it. The defense it, was better. There's Everything, no way, the there's no way to play. Up. Here's here's all you gotta know. On home ice, the last two years in a in an elimination game, they they couldn't get it done. They were shut out in in the last game against Columbus, and they were basically shut out in the game seven versus Montreal. They scored a goal, a meaningless goal, with a couple minutes left. For a team that prides itself on all this offensive power, you know that's totally unacceptable. So I, I think there's a ton of pressure internally on the Leafs. There's certainly going to be no. Uh, no gimmies from the fan base. The fan base is out for a vengeance. You have no idea. After the Leafs loss, and I'm walking my dog through the neighborhood where I've run into you, Chris, and there's people coming up to me, what the heck happened to the Leafs? There's there's a, a level of like anger. you're on the team, right? You're not even yeah. on the team, and they're coming up to you, right? There, there's, there's a level <laughs> of anger and, and bitterness uh, about mm-hmm. the Leafs but from the Toronto fan base that I hadn't seen before. They're, they're, they were numb before when you lost to Boston Columbus, but this last loss stung in, in a different way. So I'm yeah. interested yeah, in it's deep. It's, They'll never forget this. Now, trust me, the real fans are never going to forget this. Like, I'll tell you guys honest truth. I wore that Leaf forever, and I, I'm honest, and I always, everyone knows, I always rock all the Toronto sports teams. I haven't worn that logo since that last. And I, I'm questioning if I'll ever wear it again. And I thought I would never, ever, ever say mm-hmm. that since I touched down on this planet, man. 
And I started wearing that leaf. Because, no, man, how could you walk around saying that's you, man? That's not that's not my city, man. You got to be like the steel city where you just hard, hard work and city. That's what the rap is. Okay, let's move on. Leafs. Uh, let's go to the grass. Oh, the grass. Let's go to the Olympics. The swimming, the pool. Like, mm-hmm. what's your take on the Olympics? What are you, what's going on? We coming out this year. Well, awesome. honestly, for for starters, just as an, a fan of the Olympics, it's been so nice to have a little bit of normalcy in which been incredibly tough time. Like coming out of this pandemic, I know we're still in it, but 17 months and strong. Uh, it was nice to to watch these athletes live out their dream. I think you could say the athletes on some level saved the Olympics because, you know, it's hard to be yes. you know, watching. The venues are empty. It's just a different feel to the games. It doesn't feel exactly like a normal Olympics. But for every now and again, you're watching the events and you're watching these guys have their, their personal best. You're watching the Penny Alexiacs, you know, achieve the way they're achieving. And you kind of forget about the pandemic. You forget about the environment they're in and how it's so different. And, uh, and it's just sports is winning. So it's been fun. It's been, you know, the, the moments that, I, that I've loved, I've loved watching, obviously, Andre de Grasse. You know, this guy's put in so much work. Remember where he was seven, eight years ago? Yeah. Where he is today. It's beautiful to see. How you know he's living out his dream? Penny Alexia continues to to you know carry the banner as the most incredible Canadian Olympian. The How many swimmers are we going to have now? for that gold Ooh. medal game? Canada, Ooh. Sweden, and in soccer. So it's been yeah. it's been so much fun, guys. And yeah. and Damian Warner, he's going to be going for gold today. Yeah, uh, I think there's two events left, and then you know just just all the athletes. I I find the the Olympics really weird though, just because of the time change. Uh, when you get up in the morning and you watch it, you missed so much but like you know like cbc will air you know certain events but you don't get to see all of them and i got to see the rock climbing for the first time yesterday it was the speed uh wall uh wall climbing and man that is incredible to see them climb that wall in like 6.8 seconds and it's it's just insane yeah they added what surfing skateboarding uh rock climbing like i like it my daughter's a rock climber and honestly yeah. it, it's pretty cool because the, the amount of skill the agility the strength exactly takes, yeah uh it's, it's very cool to sort of expand the olympics and let some of the non-traditional athletes you know have their day in this yeah it's amazing and and just to see like in another 10 years like the vince carter effect all these kids man oh my gosh it's gonna spawn <laughs> so much like in the pool they better build you guys would start building putting holes in the ground putting these pools everywhere man these kids, man, my daughter swims. She's been swimming. I, I, I've been swimming since a kid, too, so I love swimming. My, one of those. Where you swim? You swim a lot? I, I'm a very bad swimmer. I, I, uh, My bones are too dense or something. I start sinking. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go to the Caribbean. It's the salt water. <laughs> yeah, that's what I need. A little help, a little buoyancy. Yeah, a little buoyancy, man. But then you got to watch your eyes, man. You can make sure the goggles sting, man. Oh, my goodness, man. <laughs> Now, now um, you've got to actually uh, do reports on the Olympics, right? Yeah, have you actually gone to the Olympics? I can't remember if you were actually. Yeah, I, um, I've been lucky to go to three Olympics. In 2000, uh, in fact, four Olympics. In 2000, I was in Sydney as a reporter for TSN. In 2002, I was in Salt Lake, which was very cool because Canada, both the men and women, won uh, gold in hockey. Phenomenal. And Canada, the women especially, they were supposed to lose to that powerhouse American team. And, yeah. Uh, and they won that. And then in 2014, I was in Sochi for CC. I was a host. And oh, years later, right. in Rio, I was a host uh, alongside Andy Petrillo. But I also, uh, what was fun for me is when I wasn't hosting, I got out to the pool and I was the pool reporter. So I got to see Penny Alexiak and Team Canada kind of rise from the grave and have those, those incredible, uh, you know, week run of medals in Rio. So I've been to those four games. It's been a cool. That must have been a rush, man. Yeah, what's the atmosphere like? Yeah, because you keep yourself... Uh, I, I know you're, you're, you can tell from your physique 
you're first in the trains, keep yourself well in shape. So to be around all those athletes all the time, like what, do you go to the gym when they train? Like what's it like being around athletes like the Olympics? What's the gym like at the Olympics, man? Well, it must be the best gym in the world, man. <laughs> we're like, not, we're not Olympics, anywhere close. Man. The like, athletes village, they've got all the facilities. Weights, dumbbells, like what's, give us an explanation. What's the facilities like? Well, it's funny. What's the best facility? Okay, well, we, I mean, you're working a ton, so you certainly don't get to go to the gym on, on the on a regular basis. I will say in Sochi, the hotel we were at had a really good gym, so we were really, I was really lucky, uh, you know, so when I wasn't hosting a show, I'd get in there, you know, three, four times a week. We're not where the athletes are, and it's funny you bring that up, Chris, because watching the Olympics, whether it's with my wife or with my son, we're, you know, you're remarking on, look at how fit these guys are, and I granted, that's their life, that's what they're doing, but the track athletes, the beach volleyball athletes, uh, you know, the weightlifters, the boxers, you're going, oh, my goodness, right? Like, you kind of forget how in great shape they are. And the tennis bodies are such a unique body. These incredible shoulders. Yeah, these different shape. Yeah, the discipline is right. Yeah. yeah, and then they're kind of tapered down. No hips, you know, no butts, but just just all shoulders. <laughs> and, and they're just long and lanky and, and like, super uh, athletic looking. It, it's really quite phenomenal. Uh, you know, it's so it's so cool to see people who spent all this time, all this sweat, energy, passion, poured into one goal. And whether you win a medal or not is immaterial. You're an Olympian. You're an Olympian for life. You know, when, when I see Andre DeGrasse, whether he wins gold or not, is material. When he's setting Canadian national records in the 100, when he's setting personal bests, you know, that's what it's about. They're going out there and they're, they're saving themselves for this moment. And when the moment works out great for them, I, I feel so good. I just think it's such a, a great thing. of It's what the essence of sport really is. Yeah. And do it. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah. And, and the women are actually killing it at these Olympics oh. too, right? I mean, they're, yeah. I mean, I think they were projected to win 96% of the medals at the Olympics this year and they're like right on par. And yeah. I think the most exciting part of it is like you said, that Canada Sweden game for the gold medal. Like I, I was so happy to see them just finally beat the U S in the Olympics. Yeah. Cause that was the most exciting part of the Olympics for, I think a lot of people in general, the last couple of years anyway. So to get over that hurdle, you're right, Tom, it's totally yeah. crazy. Well, one um, of the angriest yeah, times I've been as a sports fan was 2012 when the U S were, were gifted that, uh, that, uh, semifinal yeah. match versus Canada, Christine Sinclair, Christine Sinclair, you could argue had the greatest individual in a team sport but individual performance in a, in a match. He scores a hat trick and Canada loses on a, on a botched call basically by the referee and the U S goes through the gold medal game and Canada didn't. And now I'm so thankful that Christine Sinclair nine years later is still on the national team. And there, there's nothing I would personally want more than for her to be able to get that gold medal that maybe she would have stolen from her uh, nine years uh, earlier. So this is, it's a very cool story. Let's hope it has that happy ending for Canada. Right, man. I, I think right. this is her, I think her gold medal is beating the U S getting that retribution from uh, the, the Olympics when they were cheated out of that. There was no VAR, VAR back then. Right. So they didn't have a chance to look at it, but uh, this year they did and actually got a penalty shot to beat the U S. So it kind of came back full circle there. Yeah. That, you know, what? that's a great point, Tom. And, and it, you know, 20 years in the making, it'd be nice just to get the cherry on top. If they can beat a very good Sweden team, you can't sleep on Sweden. Like this is a very good Sweden. Team. Well, they uh, beat the U S in the round Robin three, nothing. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, this yeah. is the thing, uh, you know, I think they're actually maybe even the favorite going into this, but we will <laughs> see, you know, we're going to see how it pans out. I'd be so excited. And as you said, even, even if they don't, capture the goal the fact that they were able to kind of beat the giant in the u.s exactly they got over their home they got over the cover yeah that's a huge one too man uh i guess time's running out i know we got our schedules and stuff but one question since we're right on this 
I was going to put it at the beginning, but I'm glad I saved it to the end after hearing about all this. How does your family deal, I guess, deal with this travel? Like, how, actually, not even how to travel. After doing the playoffs, running through the playoffs, what kind of energy? Like, how long does it take you to, like, come down? Like, is it two weeks, three weeks? I remember Tim and Sid when they did uh, the Raptors thing, and they were like, oh, my, I, I have a little bit of broadcasting in my back. I did college radio for a long time at CKLN, Ryerson. I have that in my alumni for about five years, right? And I know what the energy takes to do a show. So you guys going on doing this run, is it like on tour? You do like two weeks, three weeks. When you come home, can't talk to your kids for the first three days. What's it like at the end of a run after doing the playoffs? How much, how, how tired? What is it like? You know what, Chris? Especially this year, there was, there was a pretty good run of adrenaline. Uh, you had this great story out of Montreal. Um, you know, the fact that we actually got out to a venue, it had been so long, and to be able to go to the rink in Montreal for games three and four in the final, mm. go to Tampa, watch the Stanley mm. Cup get hoisted uh, with 21,000 fans going nuts, feeling some normalcy. I, I honestly didn't, I didn't, it was a long run. I'm not going to say it wasn't a long playoff run for us, and it was a lot of work, but I felt pretty good. I, once good. that cup was handed out, I, I took a flight home. I uh, had a little vacation with my wife, was able to hang out a little bit, um, mm-hmm. you know, spend some time with my kids. I felt pretty energized right away, so I'm not going to – Yeah, I, it was a quick turnaround. And you also know I can decompress really easily because we have a bit of a stretch now. You get sort of – you work your butt off every day for a couple of months, and then you kind of have, a, you know, six, seven weeks to, to mm-hmm. exhale. And uh, I've soaked that up. It, it hasn't been that bad. Uh, I'm used to it. And li- listen, it's a kid's job, right? Like I'm, we're sitting around talking about sports right now, like – this is what I yeah. do. I watch, it's a yeah, it's, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, my wife has an adult job, this, right? Really? <laughs> yeah. They pay me to do this, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So I never, I'll never complain about working in sports television. Awesome. And, uh, I love it. It's a dream come true. And I'm just so fortunate. Yeah. Well, well I mean, like, it's funny because yeah. uh, Tim will show it on, uh, like, on Tim and uh, Friends now. But he'll show like his side of me. He's like, I got my three TVs here and I'm watching a sports here and a sports, a different sport here and a different yeah. sport here. And the wife's in the other room. And it's like, man, that's kind of like the dream, right? Like <laughs> not, not everybody can do it, the broadcast. They don't all have the broadcast voice. They don't have the uh, presence on air uh, to do something like this. But I mean, you, you got into it. You do have the presence. You got the voice for it. And you get to enjoy watching every single sport that you want to watch and get to report exactly. on it. Yeah. So, so lucky guys. And it's, it's fun. And it's, you know, it, it really is a kid's job. You, mm-hmm. you really good terms there, Tom. Like it, it is, you know, you and Chris love sports and the idea that you can immerse yourself into something you're passionate about, you're interested in, you have a genuine enthusiasm for, um, you know, one, one thing that would be really nice. Uh, we have the, the hockey rights for the next five years. I'd love to see any Canadian team. I don't care which one hoist the Stanley cup. Um, been too long, 1993. We're, we're going on three decades now of uh, a Canadian-based team hasn't won the Stanley Cup. I'm hopeful that in this next five years, uh, you know, when we have the hockey rights on Sportsnet and hopefully after that as well, but at least in the next five years, I'm hopeful that one of the Canadian teams can emerge and win a Stanley Cup because I think the idea of being part of that, seeing that unfold and watching as, as Canada, just like we saw with the Raptors a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. wasn't just the Toronto thing. You know, I have friends out in Calgary and Vancouver and Montreal. They were all going to these viewing parties with 10,000 people. And yep. like, wow, in Vancouver? And they're like, yeah, in Vancouver where people are waking up early and going out to the bar and getting a position to get set up to watch the Raptors. Wow, I never thought it would be that would happen. Same thing I think might happen if we get a Canadian Stanley Cup. So it's exciting to have you. I definitely think so too. Uh, yeah, so uh, we didn't get to Lowry, but we know Lowry. We love you. Lowry's been taught. We, oh, it's you know what I mean? It's a matter of time. And speaking of matter of time, we're very gracious for you to give us your time. This really 
You know what I mean? In the morning, waking up, doing no, the no thing thing. And um, yeah, thanks for being on our show. Anything, any last things you want to say before you had anything else we should look forward to? Any projects, any, um, I don't know, charities, anything you part of you want to get out while you're here before you go? Well, always there's always some charity golf events uh, I do during the summer, um, which is great and, and fun as well to get out there. I actually golfed with, you mentioned Tim, uh, Tom, I uh, golfed with Tim and Elliot Friedman and Gord Stalick yesterday for a, a jumpstart.ca charity event at Wooden Sticks Golf Course, which is always great. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, the annual, yeah. Yeah, so it's, everything's been good. Uh, nothing, nothing else, you know, I'm, I'm excited for what the Jays might do in the next couple months. I'm excited for the Raptors coming back to see, you know, how Scotty Barnes or is all this, ooh, why they draft Scotty Barnes? I want to see what mm-hmm. that's all about. I'm obviously excited to see the NHL season resume and to the start of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, and then we, you know, what's funny, you know, what's great, the, the crappy part, uh, the Olympics were delayed to this year. The good part, we have another Olympics in like nine months. So buckle up. And, and the yeah. NHL February 2022, we got the Winter yeah. Olympics. Yeah, so yeah. Th- things are looking up, man. We got to get through this pandemic. And there's a lot of really fun athletic pursuits we're keeping our eyes on. And I love exactly. the energy, Chris, that you and, and uh, Tom bring to the show. Uh, and I'm really thankful for uh, being Hey, well, thanks, man. Let us know. We can help each other either way. It's been a blessing. Have an awesome day. Say thank you to your family and anyone associated with you for giving us this time. And yeah, have an awesome day, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the neighborhood. I'll see you in the neighborhood, Chris. Coming out to Annex, man. Yeah, let's Mm -hmm. go. You know how we do. Thank you very much for tuning in to this edition of Pod Jerky. We were very grateful to have David Amber on the Northern Touch show and be able to air this on Pod Jerky as well. Of course, you can follow the Northern Touch Show on Instagram at the Northern Touch Show. And as always, you can always find Pod Jerky on Instagram and Twitter at Pod Jerky and our link tree. That's L I N K T R dot E E forward slash Pod Jerky and our bite size. That's B Y T E S I Z E dot M E forward slash Pod Jerky. As always, stay safe, be kind to each other, and we will see you later.